0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, March 20th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. As Congress discusses the ways in which the Obama administration may have snooped on some Americans in particular, consider how government snooping on Americans occurs all the time. The implications for your own data security are significant. Cato's Patrick Eddington comments. With the release of what seems to be a whole lot of CIA tools for surveillance, it is, you know, as a speaking as an American, I wonder to what extent there are controls on this kind of technology being used by Intel agencies to collect my information.
1: Yeah, a, a lot of folks have been asking the the question in the wake of of this WikiLeaks uh, dump of CIA material uh, in in March of 2017 here. Uh, are they turning on my TV when I don't know it? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? And part of the problem is we just don't know. Um, of course, there are the usual denials and so on and so forth. But uh, what's interesting about this particular document dump, which amounted to you know over 8,000 uh, items and WikiLeaks claims that there will be more in the future, um, no idea exactly when that will happen, obviously, but... This initial tranche of material is actually focused on commercially available stuff, to kind of use a George Carlinism here. We're talking about uh, software, firmware, and hardware. Uh, Most of the documents are really kind of delving into software for the most part. And here, we're talking about not just the operating systems for the phones and the tablets and the computers we use, whether you happen to be a... Microsoft person or an Apple person, uh, both of them recovered, covered, uh, as is Android and, and iOS, um, but also uh, antivirus software like McAfee Virus Scan, for example. So, you know, the agency was going after just about everything that you could think of in the electronic arena, in the digital arena, uh, as a means of trying to get at, you know, whoever was on their particular target list. And It appears to me, at least, on the basis of the review that I've conducted so far, that most of these kinds of exploits are designed to go after specific devices. you know, let's say Angela Merkel's phone or, um, you know, somebody, a a world leader's tablet or someone in a ministry of foreign affairs somewhere, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, because there has been, so far as I can tell, no comprehensive review of these programs by pretty much anybody, Uh, we just, we we don't know. We we really just don't have any idea how far the agency has gone with this. The one thing we do know uh, on the basis of this document dump is that these exploits, as they're called, these vulnerabilities that are discovered and any malware that is created to take advantage of them are being shared, it appears to be fairly freely, not just among American intelligence agencies, FBI, NSA, CIA, but also sharing with our our British cousins uh, across the pond uh, at the the British Signals Intelligence uh, Headquarters, GCHQ. Um, So this is a a very pervasive thing. It's obviously a large scale thing uh, and there will definitely be more to come. So what are the,
0: I guess if I'm trying to find the uh, liberty friendly answer Hmm. to why uh, an intelligence agency would share this kind of information with GCHQ or uh, some other uh, group. Uh, is there one? I mean, can you can you come up with a reason why they would share this kind of these kinds of exploits?
1: Well, what they're going to argue is, um, and this is kind of typical in the post 9/11 world is that the bad guys, uh, and when we use the phrase bad guys, read ISIS or other uh, Salafist-type terrorist organizations, uh, are utilizing the software, and therefore uh, that provides all the justification we need to go ahead, find these exploits, find these vulnerabilities, sit on them for as long as we feel like, uh, and then utilize them when we're ready. And what makes this all so hypocritical is that the Obama administration initiated what was known as the Vulnerabilities Equities Process, or VEP, uh, during its second term. And it was supposed to be a mechanism whereby if the U.S. government discovered vulnerabilities in commercially available products, hardware, software, firmware, that information would in fact be shared with the manufacturers. And what we know on the basis of this revelation for sure and also, I think, from some of the Snowden revelations, is that that VEP process um, was basically a joke. They they were sitting on this stuff for an extended period of time, uh, clearly to take advantage of it. And while they were doing so, they were helping to ensure that all of us who use these products uh, remain vulnerable to hackers uh, and other malicious actors. So it was really um, a, a worthless process that they created.
0: Now, as as we like to point out at the Cato Institute, there's no such thing as the keys that only the good guys have access to when it <laughs> comes to your uh, digital security. Exactly. So, uh, what are the uh, implications for industry? I mean, if I were uh, based in, say, India or something like that, mm-hmm. I would be I would maybe rethink doing business or uh, sharing sensitive information with a business partner in the United States.
1: I, I don't think there's any question that we will see even more of that going forward. What I wonder about with respect to U.S. companies like Apple, for example, or Google, for that matter, um, you know, what did they know and when did they know it? I, I think it's pretty clear that some of these vulnerabilities um were probably shared with the companies uh, in in the, some kind of cooperative arrangement here, but some of them were not, and and some of these, and particularly in the case of of iOS, Apple's mobile operating system uh, for its iPhones, tablets, and so on, um, there was actually a core vulnerability in the operating system itself, which allowed um, uh, folks at CIA and thus folks at NSA and GCHQ and and elsewhere. Uh, to actually effectively bypass encryption apps uh, like signal and whatsapp that 's not to say that the encryption um, software them, it itself wasn 't solid there 's no evidence that that 's the case but if you can actually you know get into the operating system itself and install something that allows you to monitor every keystroke uh, that a person enters, that means you 're able to get their passwords for everything it means you 're able to uh, monitor every single thing that they were, were typing. So uh, th- if I were Apple, <laughs> if I were Tim Cook, um, this is the, the point when I would finally you know, go to my team and say, okay, we need to set up a political action committee now, and we need to start uh, actually going after members of Congress you know, who are allowing this. And that really is kind of the, uh, the point that I make in this piece that I wrote uh, for the Hill, is that none of this would be possible. The CIA could not be engaged in this activity if the House and Senate Intelligence Committees had not allocated them the money uh, to hire the people, to hire the contractors, uh, to go out and do this kind of thing. And and I think it's another example of how Congress is just failing miserably in what I consider to be its primary responsibility, which is to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and most importantly, the Bill of Rights, which means my rights, your rights, everybody else's rights. So what should the
0: House and Senate intelligence committees do with respect specifically to Americans' privacy? Now, I, I am sensitive to the, d- the demands and desires of privacy for people around the world, but I, I understand that the U.S. government does not have a specific responsibility to them.
1: No, it, it, it does not. I, I think, though, that every American should be concerned about this because when these kinds of vulnerabilities are allowed to fester out there... it it makes every single one of us vulnerable because, as you indicated previously, uh, if a vulnerability is discovered by the CIA, you can bet good money uh, that it's going to be discovered in short order by other uh, malfactors who are out there looking to try to take advantage uh, of that vulnerability. And this gets extremely important when we start talking about uh, our online banking that we do, the online shopping that we do, um, the use of the Internet, for example... Uh, in this age of so-called Internet of Things, where you you can set up uh, you know baby cameras on a remote, um, it, it it creates all kinds of circumstances and vulnerabilities where uh, somebody with with ill intent, you know, could potentially put a family member at risk. Um, we've had all kinds of incidents with respect to the use of so-called ransomware. Most of that's been targeted at institutions so far, such as hospitals uh, and other organizations. But that doesn't mean you you couldn't see this kind of devolve down into individuals as well. And I think that's why ensuring that these vulnerabilities are communicated to the companies immediately, I mean, within 24 hours of their discovery, is something that should actually be the law of the land.
0: All right. So uh, beyond that, intelligence agencies uh, routinely, if incidentally, collect the communications of Americans Mm -hmm. when they are speaking with foreign targets Mm -hmm. of surveillance and uh donald trump in his accusations related to the obama administration it's not exactly clear where that accusation stands right now it seems to have been uh walked back to some extent he was making claims that some people had justified saying well you know the obama administration uh, may have used other intelligence agencies that are not bound by the U.S. Constitution in order to collect information on U.S. targets?
1: I mean, I think, it, it, you know, it's a legitimate concern. And and to kind of get back to, you know, what the, the president has alleged, which both the House and, and Senate Intelligence Committees have now said they have seen no evidence uh, to support the claim that the previous administration consciously engaged uh, in in surveillance, politically related surveillance especially, uh, against the Trump campaign. But the truth of the matter is, um, they wouldn't have had to because the existing changes that were made to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act in 2008 and then renewed in, in 2012 and which are up again for renewal this year allow the federal government and its agencies, particularly NSA, to engage in the collection of pretty much any kind of foreign communications, especially that passing over uh, the Internet or through other digital means, for, quote, foreign intelligence purposes, end quote. Now, because of the nature of of the way that the Internet is structured, that inevitably means that when the intelligence community and NSA particularly goes and engages in this kind of collection, they are sweeping up the communications of lots and lots of Americans. And Senator Ron Wyden, the Democrat from Oregon, has has spent the last six years trying to get a straight answer, or for that matter, any answer, about the number of American person communications that have been swept up in this way. I suspect that it's in the hundreds of millions, uh, probably at this point. But um, be that as it may, right now the law actually allows the FBI and other agencies to go into intelligence community databases where this so-called incidentally collected American information is stored and actually search the content. So emails, text messages, things of that nature, right now, because of the loophole in the law, they're fair game. And obviously, that's something that um, uh, Bill of Rights advocates want to see completely closed uh, in any kind of reform this year with Section 702 of the FISA Amendments Act, which is the, the specific provision we're talking about here. Whether we'll get that or not, that's another question.
0: So you're saying that my, my communications are every bit as unsecure as I might
1: have suspected, but for different reasons. Um, I wish I had uh, better news for you, but I, I would say that, you know, when we talk about state level actors like the United States, like the Russian Federation, like the Chinese government and so on, um, when these kinds of vulnerabilities are found but not reported, it certainly gives them an edge in getting into your communications. But it's literally a continuous arms race. So once an Apple or a Google finds a problem in their software, it's brought to their attention, and they issue a patch, then it it goes like to the next level essentially for an NSA or a GCHQ to try to get back into those communications. So you know, I think the average person on a day-to-day basis um, you know, doesn't necessarily have to worry about the CIA turning on uh, their computer. What I think, uh, or their their um, their television. What I think you do have to worry about, and this is what the, the WikiLeaks dumps demonstrates, is that the CIA and the NSA cannot control these exploits. They are just as vulnerable to having these things hacked or exfiltrated by, by people as any other entity on the planet. With a very high market value. Well, an extremely high market value. And that may be perishable, of course, because these things do get patched. But it still underscores the point that, you know, these cyber weapons, in, in some respects, are kind of like the one ring out of Lord of the Rings, right? I mean, you you get the idea that maybe in an extreme emergency, you know, we can use this. Um, but just having it literally makes you vulnerable. And I think that's that's what we're looking at right now. And that's why, really, to me, the only correct answer is complete transparency on this stuff and making sure that these vulnerabilities are outed within a day of their being discovered so that the the manufacturers can get them patched and and we can move forward from there.
0: Patrick Eddington is a policy analyst in Homeland Security and Civil Liberties at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Podcast.